Welcome to Living Through the Word, the podcast ministry of the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word. I'm the diocesan bishop, Julian Dobbs, and today it's my great privilege to be joined uh, by my friend, a fellow disciple of Christ, uh, who is also my personal doctor and uh, a, a great colleague in life, uh, Dr. Sam Pappas of Pappas Health in Vienna, Virginia. Dr. Pappas, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Bishop Julian. It's a pleasure and an honor. Well, it's a great joy to have you on the program. So often people say to me, uh, how do you manage your life and ministry with all the travel and the stress and the various things that you do? And I say, of course, uh, one of those things is prayer, and you and I can talk about that in a moment. But the other thing is I have a doctor whom I trust, who knows everything about me, and uh, he keeps an incredible watchful eye and is engaged to uh, fairly fine details uh, in my own life. So firstly, let me thank you on behalf of the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word for taking care uh, of the bishop. I am very grateful. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's not only fun uh, to connect with a, a friend, uh, but quite easy. You know, I think we'll talk more about this, but you have developed a very good healthcare philosophy. And I think the philosophy or the seal of your win has made it easy to partner with you. Well, thank you. I'm very, very grateful. Uh, you have a number of accolades to uh, your bow, uh, one being that you've been selected as a top doctor in the Washington Magazine, uh, Northern Virginia Magazine, and Washington Consumers Checkbook. I think, if I'm right, Dr. Pappas, you've been called the Dr. Oz of Arlington. Uh, uh, I know <laughs> as, as a friend, but... Um, Tell us, uh, just take us back a few steps. Uh, you're, you're married to Joyce. You've got uh, wonderful children. Uh, but take us back a few steps before that. Why medicine? Why did you become a doctor? Uh, you know, that's a great question. I, I didn't have any one uh, uh, road to Damascus moment at all. I had always been interested in partnering with patients. And I was just impressed with some physicians that I had seen as I grew up. And I was intrigued about combining you know, my interest in biographies and getting to know a story uh, with science. So really a combination of the uh, the art and science of medicine uh, and being fostered in an environment uh, of my faith and Greek background. I was quickly impressed by the traditions of our culture with health. So it's quite easy to go from learning about Hippocrates, ancient Greek Olympiads, to St. Basil having the first hospital and geriatric care to jumping into medicine. Yeah, so let's talk about that Greek background for a little bit, because obviously Greek culture in Christian terms uh, has influenced uh, what we understand and how we understand and read the New Testament uh, specifically but you wanted to reconnect with ancient and modern Greek forefathers um, with particular regard to health. Why is that so important? Not just, I'm assuming, because uh, you have a personal Greek background, uh, but, but why is that important? Well, you know, I was impressed because, you know, I was originally taught that uh, health is the, op is the absence of disease, but I realized that you know, our forefathers, uh, traditional cultures that you and I come from, uh, 
our faith talked about vitality, talked about optimal function. Uh, as someone said once about the Greeks, they were experts in the physics, i.e. the body, in the metaphysics of health and survival. So I was very much intrigued by not only, you know, Athens and Jerusalem, but by also by uh, a physical sense and then a higher sense in the metaphysics. And I try to guide my principles uh, along those lines when I talk to patients and partner with them. You know, what is their vitality? What is their source of spiritual strength? Uh, is illness really the, is healthy with the absence of illness? I don't believe so. Yeah, that's very important because one of the things you have underscored for me in my own health journey is the, the and of course we understand this as Christians too from the Bible, but the connection between body and good physical health, uh, emotional and mental health, and spiritual health, and the interconnectedness of those things. We aren't just the body. We aren't just the spirit. We're body, soul, and spirit, having, having healthy uh, mental health, uh, good physical health, and spiritual health is important. Talk to us a little bit about the connectedness of those things. You know, I it's a great, great question. I, I remember, uh, you know, doing some psychiatry back, uh, studies and work, and these experts, you know, the so-called cognitive elite, would talk about a health problem uh, as if the person had a victim and they had no choice. And I would think, you know, psychiatry and the word psych comes from the Greek word of soul. And I said, really, their soul is in need of help. And is just taking a pill to match an ill enough. What if, you know, we learned from our forefathers, and do we need a study to tell us this, that if a person is in a loving environment, a family, uh, if they're connecting with a community, if they're connecting with faith, if they're eating well, if they're out in nature, they would help their health, they would help their psyche, they would help their soul, they would help their spirit. So uh, I'm often told that I always look for the Greek words to mention when I talk to people about health. But I think in this case, you know, the foundation was laid, laid down a long time ago. So they can really benefit from that uh, combination of all that interconnectedness. Yeah, that's fascinating, Dr. Pappas, uh, because one of the things, of course, the New Testament teaches us is that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God dwells within us. So therefore, what's happening in the body also affects, in, in, in very real ways, our spiritual health. And you practice what's called integrative medicine. We'll come to that in a moment. But one of the things, and I've asked Dr. Pappas uh, if he should need to, but he can speak very openly about my own health. Um, but one of the things you have helped me understand is to find uh, both uh, biblical and practical ways of dealing with stress. Uh, some reports suggest that stress is a, is a factor in five or six, uh, um, uh, five out of six of the leading causes of death, heart disease, cancer, stroke, respiratory disease, and accidents. Uh, that's, that's pretty high. And an estimated 75 to 90% of all doctors' visits are for stress-related issues. Is, is that what you would say, Dr. Pappas? Is stress that much of an influencer on physical, emotional, and spiritual health? I, I think you're spot on as the, uh, 
uh, British would say, Bishop Julian, uh, it's amazing. Uh, we think that it's not necessarily that physical stressor is our response to that stressor that impacts on that health. Uh, it's been said that the four horsemen of aging include first and foremost stress. And we can discuss how to measure some of those markers. Uh, other factors like glucose control and inflammation play a role. But by and large, it's stress. And again, you know, I enjoy measuring studies in laboratory, and I believe it's the river of life. But do I need a blood test to tell me if someone is stressed and if they can't handle and have not enough balance in their life and they're stressed at home with their loved ones, at work, uh, with their faith, with relationships? Uh, so I think it's the great mimicker, the great imitator, and affects all parts of the body and also the spirit. You know, when I was studying this in my infancy of learning, I remember reading about Viktor Frankl, the, psychiatrist, the Jewish psychiatrist, who would not allow the stressor of the concentration camps to affect him, and he controlled his response. And he would say how many people in dire straits were withering away emotionally, physically, because they had stress they couldn't handle. Uh, the problem in our modern life, as you know, is we have low-dose chronic stress rather than the one major stress. Well, one of the things Dr. Pappas uh, helped me deal with is this whole concept of stress in my life as an individual uh, and as a bishop. He's seen me at times of, uh, professionally at times of significant stress. And one of the things he asks me is, is how, what is the process that I'm undertaking to deal with that stress? And he and I have worked out uh, a program uh, that I undertake um, uh, to deal with some of those things. Uh, for you, Dr. Pappas, uh, you're, like me, a disciple of Jesus Christ, a follower of the Lord Jesus. You worship regularly in the Greek Orthodox Church. Could you just talk to me a little bit about one of the rhythms? There are a number that you embrace, but one of the rhythms uh, 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 in liturgy that you have found helpful uh, in this whole concept of a healthy body, mind, and spirit? Well, you know, it was amazing. I would, you know, was brought up uh, going to church and being with family and friends in church. And I remember one of my relatives had said, you know, I just feel much more calm when I'm in liturgy. And, and I said, this was amazing. You know, I, of course, was measuring the pulse and confirming what I saw. And, and I said, you know, was it the energy, the spiritual energy? Was it the community being there, supporting them? Was it the deep breaths? Was it the fact that they were in prayer and were working on the metaphysics? Uh, I think it's all of those things and more, uh, that source of spiritual strength. And I, I found that quite telling because research then would show that people who uh, practice a faith-based, uh, if they're active in their faith-based, programs in their church, in their synagogue, in their temple, that they were healthier and they had more longevity. So again, it was very uh, intuitive on one hand, but I thought also quite telling. And when I asked someone, you know, what's their source of spiritual strength? Uh, I've been doing this for 20 years now. I've seen, unfortunately, as you know all too well, that many people uh, are less and less mentioning their their faith, their commitment to a 
the program of going to a church or an organization, a faith-based. Uh, and it's quite, it's quite sad, unfortunately, and I think it's a sign of the health of, of our communities in declining. I'm talking to Dr. Sam Peppis of PeppisHealth.com. Uh, Dr. Peppis is my personal physician. Uh, he is a follower of Jesus and a very dear friend. Uh, Dr. Peppis, one of the things that you have encouraged me to do is develop a rhythm. So for me, that rhythm starts every day uh, earlier than it does for most people, not because I'm restless and can't sleep, simply because I enjoy the beauty of quietness and for me, the best time to find quietness uh, is around five o'clock in the morning. Uh, my body automatically wakes me about that hour. I rise, I go to the Bible, I read the Bible, I spend time in prayer. Uh, that's the very first part of my rhythm uh, that I am uh, connecting with the God who loves me and created me. Uh, you've helped me understand that a regular part of dealing with stress and maintaining good personal, physical, emotional, and spiritual health is also exercise. For me, that involves um, uh, uh, running and uh, uh, a regular commitment to physical exercise. And then thirdly, it also involves uh, uh, physical health, uh, supplements, diet. Can we talk a little bit about the Greek diet and why the Greek diet is so important? And I also want you to mention why supplements are important. It might surprise some people. I take about 20 supplements a day uh, recommended by Dr. Pappas. It's been part of my routine, I don't know, for at least seven, eight, nine years. Um, talk to us a little bit about that. Right. Absolutely. I first want to get back to the last point because I think it was a great point you mentioned. Uh, the circadian rhythm, the sun rising, the sun setting. Uh, you're very much in line into that. And I think that's one of the challenges with people who are not healthy. They don't have a good rhythm. You know, think about the shift workers in the hospital, those who travel and their time changes. You did a very good job. They've done a very good job of getting that rhythm. And I think people who succeed in health, in their life, in their goals, have a very good rhythm. They get outdoors. They get sun in their eyes. So I think that's a point that we often don't uh, stress enough and you've done a very good job of that. I mean, you travel a lot, you go to different continents, but you will travel, you will get sun, you will be outdoors, you will connect. And then you will also push the pause button. Uh, you have a ritual, you, you, you read, you pray, you get outdoors. Um, and then you also uh, work on silence, simplicity and solitude, which one, Christian writer said was key to health. So I think that was a great point. Uh, the Mediterranean diet, it's, it's fascinating. You know, is it a diet? Is it a cultural heritage? Uh, traditionally defined as the diet of the countries in the olive growing regions of the Mediterranean. But many times used in a reductionist way to mean that it has to be a food that's from Greece or Italy or Spain. And the reality is, you know, our, our cross connectedness globally we could have a piece of salmon from scandinavia uh some olive oil from greece a lemon from the middle east uh some greens from north america and have a mediterranean type of diet uh, generally speaking the mediterranean diet is a diet that has high healthy fats both from the olive oil and from foods like nuts and seeds and fish uh, has a lot of plants but also has 
animal products as well. It has foods like beans and vegetables and fruits, but also a lot of spices, uh, has a lot of variability. And a lot of research has shown those types of foods that have a lot of uh, uh, beginnings in the Mediterranean basin support health, wellness, brain health, cardiac health. Uh, so even those from New Zealand can practice some of those principles. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, my guest is Dr. Sam Pappas of pappashealth.com. Uh, at the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word, we're here to equip and edify you in your walk with Christ. We're working hard to develop new resources like this podcast to equip you in your journey with the Lord and trust that you have found this ministry to be a blessing. To find out more about the ongoing ministry of the diocese, including details of our upcoming 2020 missions, conference, and synod, visit us online at adlw.org. And join us uh, next year for the Bishop's Bible Study Tour of the Holy Land, 11 days together, uh, with an optional extension to uh, Petra in Jordan, not to be missed to open the Bible together. Space is limited. Uh, you can register at adlw.org and join us. Dr. Pappas, talk to us a little bit about your approach to health. When somebody contacts your office and they come and see you for the very first time, what are they going to find? How do you deal with them? What questions do you ask? And then what is your process to finding out how best to guide them to good health? Oh, well, I think that's a great question. You know, I'm much more interested in the person who has the illness than the illness the person has. Uh, so I really want to get to know about them. I want to know their story. Of course, their health story and their journey uh, thus far, but also what makes them tick. What's their relationships like with home and family? What's their source of spiritual strength? Uh, are they isolated? We can talk a lot about uh, young men and women these days. So I find you're isolated with technology as a source of poor health. But we want to get to know about them. And we really believe in partnering with the patient uh, rather than just, you know, an experience where you want to uh, have a quick visit to find a diagnosis to label a diagnosis for the insurance purposes and then to give a pill to match the ill uh, i'm much more interested in how are they functioning do they have vitality uh, taking a long time to get to know them and then also taking a deep dive as you know so well and looking at that biochemistry looking at that river of life you know, where is their blood work taking them and what can we do to intervene and as you mentioned, uh, myself, you, uh, sports athletes, many of our friends are taking supplements or taking nutraceuticals to help fill in the gaps in addition to the foundation of our lifestyle, which, you know, we strive to do well. Uh, I often use your story with other, you know, stubborn men. And I tell them, you know, if the bishop in his hectic schedule of travel and commitments and stress both good stress and bad stress can make the time, the gift of time to exercise, to pray, to eat better, uh, to fast. So can the rest of us, so can you. Uh, so I think you're a really good example to your flock and to your family 
In fact, um, you call my health boring is the phrase you use, doctor, correct? Yes, this is true. I mean, you know, your blood work is really normal. Uh, once in a while, you might find one marker, you know, a little bit off. Uh, but it's it's not very exciting because, you know, you don't fit into the category of diagnoses that the medical establishment uh, prefers for us to give you. <laughs> Dr. Peppers, um, my producer, the Reverend uh, Deacon Mark Steele uh, and his wife uh, have six children. Uh, we have a number of clergy in the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word uh, who have large families. Uh, you have uh, three delightful children, so do I. Uh, I remember when my children were young that life was increasingly chaotic uh, in so many ways. The demands of ministry, the demands of family life with young children, particularly if the children uh, have been gifted and born uh, close together. Some thoughts for the clergy about maintaining those rhythm, rhythms, particularly in a time of crisis, particularly the clergy that have multiple young children in the house. Um, diet, schedule, uh, uh, talk a little bit about fasting, if you would. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm a better physician because I'm a parent, and I really didn't appreciate the complexity of the family uh, until I was married, until I had blessed to have children. And to me, it's very intriguing because I think the health of the family unit has been deteriorating and much more difficult and challenging with modernity, with the freedoms, with technology, with the controlled chaos of life. Uh, we know, you and I living in Northern Virginia in the D.C. metropolitan area, how challenging it is, whether it's the commute, whether it's the chaos of high expectations, of opportunities uh, to be involved in all these activities. Very, very difficult. I was trying to motivate uh, a teenager who was very much excited about the freedoms they had. And I said, if you look at the history of the spirit, of faith, of political philosophy, of government, there's always that balance of freedom and constraint. And I think a lot of the the uh, young are very much interested in the freedom to have technology, the freedom to be on their Netflix, the freedom to be up all night, but don't realize that without constraint, they won't have very good physical or mental health. And I believe that, you know, your clergy, the people that we know and work with, they are at the forefront of this, and they're very, uh, uh, very much ideal people to be working and seeing the problems of health and working on the spiritual and physical health. So I, I, I totally agree with you. I think it's been changing significantly. Talk to us about why it might be necessary to take supplements. Well, I think they fill in the gaps. You know, another good term for them is nutraceuticals. You know, do we need uh, a study to tell us that fish oil, if you can't get enough fish in you, is good for the brain and the heart. Do we need a study to tell us that antioxidants may help us or turmeric or ginger is good for our joint pains after an exercise? We know and we follow a variety of sports. Our sports teams have been taking these natural products to help them function and perform better. And I believe that we have much more important work to do than these athletes. 
So why wouldn't we take something to help fill in the gaps, to help give us some more vitality? Uh, we're very blessed to know that, you know, on God's green earth, there are a number of natural products that have been used over time, plant extracts that have given people energy, for example, uh, a plant like a ginseng or a rhodiola, for example, or a licorice root. Every culture has that history. So I think it makes a lot of intuitive sense, but more importantly, a lot of research has demonstrated we all need what I like to call nutritional armor. And when I see that uh, men and women in harm's way in the military are now experimenting with supplements like fish oil and antioxidants to help them have better resiliency and less depression and less mood changes, uh, it, it, it's exciting because it's very helpful, very safe, and relatively inexpensive, and, and anyone can do it. At 9.30 p.m. every night, I have a uh, notification. Uh, my team knows this because they have access to my calendar uh, that bleeps at me that says go to bed. I don't always make it to bed at 9.30, obviously. Sometimes I'm still in church meetings at 9.30 and sometimes I'm still in church. But it indicates to me it's time to begin the process of disconnecting electronically, uh, of beginning to get to bed so that I can sleep. I want you, Dr. Pappas of Northern Virginia, to tell us why sleep is important, uh, particularly for leaders, for clergy, uh, how much we should be looking for, and why it's important to get rid of uh, electronics, digital communication uh, in the place where you sleep? Well, sleep is the time when we regenerate, we detoxify, we heal, we recover from the day. And for the longest period in our cultures, we had no artificial light. So the sun would set, it would tell our bodies, and our brain to turn off and we would get a deep sleep and we get rejuvenated. And now with technology and artificial light, our brain thinks it's daytime 24 seven. So it's very difficult to turn that brain off. But if the brain isn't turned off, we can get a broken brain. And we know that sleep disorders are associated with many health problems. It's been said that every mental health symptom or diagnosis is predated by a sleep problem. Uh, we know that men and women who will gain weight or get a larger neck will have sleep apnea and then cannot breathe well and snore and lose oxygen and get disrupted sleep. We know people who do shift work and instead of going to bed or rising, going to work, don't live as long and have more health problems. So, I think it's just a foundational necessity that until recently has not been appreciated. Um, most of the health community understands diet and exercise, but not enough appreciate sleep. So I really, really think if someone is looking at their health and doing an internal check-in, they should assess what their sleep is doing. And I commend you on what you, uh, your practice. Uh, I think that's a fantastic uh, benefit to your health. I know it's helped you manage stress. I know it's helped you manage recovery because you're very fit. And I can tell you many of my corporate athletes, my members in communities and churches, 
young athletes and students do not get sleep. I mean, I believe you probably need at least seven hours of sleep, seven to eight. Uh, it's a little bit unclear because there's some research that uh, maybe four or five hours and then getting up and praying and going back to bed, uh, like many monks did, is perfectly fine. It's a little bit broken up. But generally speaking, we know that children need nine or ten hours and adults probably need at least seven hours. And then lastly, I would say the timing is important. Getting seven hours going to bed at two and getting up at nine is not as good as going to bed at 10 and getting up at six. So we think that 10 to two window in particular really helps heal the brain, heal the body, detoxify the body. I'm talking to my personal physician, uh, a follower of Jesus Christ, my very good uh, friend, uh, Dr. Sam Pappas, there are multiple ways in which you can uh, connect with him and find out more. Uh, he tweets regularly. His tweets are really good. Uh, uh, at Dr. Sam Pappas, P-A-P-P-A-S, you can go to pappashealth.com uh, to find out more. In the time we've got remaining, uh, Dr. Pappas, you introduced me to a process of uh, fasting for a number of hours throughout the day. Now, fasting has been a part of religious life uh, in many quarters, not just uh, for uh, those in religious orders, but for many of us throughout the periods of Lent or at other seasons of the church's year. Talk to us just a little bit about why that fasting for a certain number of hours uh, uh, given uh, any day of the week uh, is beneficial to our health. I am so excited that you that you do this and that we've worked on this together. Um, I grew up, you know, in the Greek Orthodox Church and the Eastern Orthodox calendar, and the Greeks in particular, had many days of fasting, not only during Lent, but before uh, Christmas and in, in, in early August and throughout the year. So there was a pattern built in, and I realized that traditional cultures uh, – most monotheistic faiths, uh, most Christian societies, up until modernity, up until we experienced this fractured society, as it's been called, had fasting built in as part of the church calendar. And whether it was to mimic Christ or whether it was to honor saints and the church and our loved ones, it has a lot of powerful benefits. So the community of our tribes do that for a long time. Modern society now is engaging in it. We know when we fast, we heal the body. We take a break from the stress of eating. We often clean out the body and we often improve metabolism. So we now know that if we eat only 12 hours or fast for 12 hours, it improves cognitive function. There are a variety of different fasts. Many fasts just include caloric restriction when we lower calories. Uh, others have a time-restricted component where you may eat for eight hours a day and then don't eat 16 hours a day. Others just fast with the church calendar and may fast once or twice a week in preparation uh, for communion or Eucharist or going to church. I think the important concept is fasting has wonderful health benefits. I think for the physical and for the metaphysical, and studies are confirming that uh, weight loss being one of them, uh, but also improving the digestive system, 
uh, and also improving longevity. So taking a break from foods, rest and digest go hand in hand. Okay, Dr. Pappas, as we conclude, quick round of quick fire questions that you may not be able to answer um, quickly. Uh, you're a doctor and I'm a bishop. We both like to talk um, and you and I enjoy talking together. But here's the first one. Coffee, good or bad? Overall, good. Okay. With sugar or without? Probably without sugar. Uh, you know, I like sugar. Definitely if you're drinking my coffee, Dr. Pappas, without sugar, right? Well, as you know, my wife is a big fan of your coffee that you make, and she's tried coffee everywhere. So if I tell her that I have the Bishop's Blend with some sugar, I'm in trouble. <laughs> Fast food. Can we eat it? Is it good, bad? Can it ever be good? I think we know that fast food has these ingredients that aren't good. Uh, so I think, by and large, it's not good. On the flip side, joy is a nutrient. And if we're eating out occasionally and we're balanced in our life and exercise and health, that it, it shouldn't be a problem. The problem is most youth are eating out and eating brown colors on a daily basis. Uh, how much fish should we be eating per week and why is that important? Uh, more than we're eating. You know, we know fish is great for the brain. It's a great protein. It's very healthy by and large, although we know that the oceans and the quality of the fish has changed. It's a great brain food. I would say shoot for three or four times a week. And, of course, there's a fantastic fish called Orange Ruffy. It comes from New Zealand. I could never eat it in New Zealand because <laughs> it was hardly available but you can buy it in grocery stores in the United States. And I just am such a fan. Um, Dr. Pappas, as you know, my own diet routine is I don't eat a lot of red meat. You've tried to encourage me uh, to eat more red meat than I do. Um, I'm, I'm not a vegetarian. I don't follow a vegetarian diet. I get a lot of protein from dairy. Uh, a, a number of Christians follow that sort of pattern. Uh, is, is that good or not so good? Well, I, I think the concept of eating less calories and fasting um, is good, and that often includes taking breaks from meat. Many of the Lenten fasts, the Christian fasts, take a break from meat. But generally speaking, it's been vilified because traditional cultures offline when they're not fasting will eat meat whether it's from lamb or chicken or beef. So I think, unfortunately, um, as someone said, diets are the last religion. And in our modern society, we become very reductionist, looking at a protocol rather than a principle. And in the diet wars, uh, meat in particular has been kind of caught on the crossfire. And some people just cannot tolerate without having some meat. So it definitely is an individual, but... I think it gets a bad rap. I think most of our friends will eat meat but don't fast enough. So I think if they incorporated both of those, they would be perfectly fine. Dr. Pappas, I've got one last question. But before I say that, you mentioned lamb. And of course, uh, you and I have a disagreement over this, you being Greek, me being uh, originally Kiwi. But of course, the best lamb in the world has to come uh, from the countryside of New Zealand's South Island. Uh, it's available in grocery stores. <laughs> across our country. Amen. <laughs> I agree. Amen. 
And it's cheaper for me to buy it in the United States than I ever uh, recall it uh, being uh, able for me to do so in New Zealand. But Dr. Peppers, one last thing. Uh, exercising the mind, reading, switching off digitally. Uh, just tell us a little bit about what you do in that regard. Well, I believe it's so important to turn off that mind. And I understand that modern society is very much caught up into the meditation world. Um, of course, often not mentioning prayer, but meditation. But to me, the concept of prayer is just as important and helpful, and reading in particular. We know that if you read, you really turn off that mind. It's a wonderful way to have a ritual. And I love the concepts that you talk about and that you practice, which are rituals, an evening ritual, a morning ritual. And I believe that reading as an evening and morning ritual is fantastic. There's no technology involved. It's great for the brain. Uh, prayer and reading are fantastic tools. So I think there's abundance of research now showing reading is great for the brain. And I think that goes to the concept that we talk about a lot that I hadn't mentioned yet, if I may, the concept of the urban monk. Because when I try to motivate patients, I'll tell them we all should try to be like an urban monk. We know from societies, whether it's the Middle East, the Far East, Mediterranean, and uh, Northern European, uh, the Americas, that every traditional culture, the faith, uh, the spiritual healers, those who practice like a monk, the medicine men in the, the proto-Christian communities, the philosophers and the athletes in the Greek Roman world, all were very much an urban monk. And I think if we can have those principles, if we can push the pause button, if we can get silent simplicity and solitude, if we can be fit, if we can endure the good stress of work, of physical work, of exercise, and then connect with the community, we can have a lot of uh, health benefits. My guest has been Dr. Sam Pappas. You can follow him at Dr. Sam Pappas on Twitter. You can connect more with him uh, through uh, pappashealth.com. Uh, uh, Dr. Pappas, it's been fantastic to have you on the program. I know that many people uh, will benefit greatly from reading the resources and the articles that you have available uh, online. Uh, thank you for being our guest today. Uh, many people have heard me talk about you to say that your care of their bishop gives me great confidence uh, in my health. And again, let me say thank you uh, for caring for me so generously and many who are associated with the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word. Thank you, Bishop Julian. It's been my pleasure and privilege. And uh, I will let all your listeners or friends know that if they have any questions, any concerns, they can always email us or call us. We'd be happy to try to give them some guidance, put them in the right direction, see if we can be of some help for them, uh, partner in any way possible to help translate um, their health journey in any way. So it's been my pleasure and privilege, and I, I can't thank you enough. PappasHealth.com is the way you can get hold of Dr. Pappas. Uh, St. Paul says to the Corinthians, do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body.
I'm Julian Dobbs, and this has been Living Through the Word. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace.